0: Good morning, Antioch Church. I'm Pastor Patrick Drury. I'm the interim pastor here at Antioch, and it's a joy to be able to be here with you this morning. And we live in a world that's filled with uh, quick fix, cheap shortcuts to everything, right? Especially as we turn a new year, we saw a lot of commercials on TV for diet pills. Just take this pill or come in, we'll, we'll remove all the fat. You don't have to do anything or join up for this sign up for this gym or invest your money here and you'll you'll have success there's offers for shortcuts and quick fixes all over the place and yet it's nothing new we're going to see this morning in Matthew chapter 4 that even our lord was offered a shortcut several of them and yet he knew he knew his purpose he knew his mission and his calling and I'm so thankful that we get to read about his faithfulness and his strength and his endurance through a time of testing and trial. We saw last Sunday, Jesus walks onto the stage. He's all grown up. Uh, He's not the baby in the manger anymore. He comes on the stage as a man and, and meets John the Baptist, and he was baptized. And during that experience of being baptized by John, do you remember what happened as he came up out of the water? A couple of really amazing things happened. The Holy Spirit comes on him in a way that everybody could see as a dove and, and endorsed him. And everyone could see he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the voice of the Father rang out in a way that everybody could hear. This is my son who I love. And with him I am well pleased. And what we pick up today in Matthew chapter 4 is what happens Right after that, as Jesus is about to embark on this ministry to bring salvation to the world, first he goes through this time of preparation that we're going to read about today. So I'd like to invite you to follow along, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Um, Oh, and thank you guys, we're going to dismiss the kids I missed that. Look at that. Darius is in the back waving his arms. Yeah. Off they go. Good, good, good. Um, This morning as we read the word, would you stand up with us this morning? I'm not one who gets uh, into routines and likes to do it the same way every time, but sometimes it's nice to just show honor for the word of God as we uh, stand and read Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, get away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Father, as we come today before your word, we acknowledge that your word is truth, that this is exactly the message you wanted us to to see, that your word is living, it's active, it's, it's able to get into our hearts and our minds and bring change that you want. Lord, your word is our authority over us. We submit to you by submitting to your word today. Father, thank you. I pray, Lord, that you would open our minds to understand it well and open our, our, uh, our hearts and our will to live it well. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. That prayer, by the way, is something I pray often. Uh, It's not a Sunday prayer, (laughs) it's a Monday through Saturday prayer as I come into the Word of God, Lord help me understand it well and help me live this well. So when I come to you on a Sunday with this open, it's not as someone who has mastered this by any means, but as someone who's both teaching you but also a fellow student with you, uh, I'm always humbled by that. As we come into this passage this morning, the first two verses set kind of a tone for us. They set the stage for us. They're, they're brief but interesting. The first verse says in Matthew 4, then Jesus was led, or some could say driven from that word, by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. The Holy Spirit drove Jesus To do this, it doesn't sound like he had a choice. It wasn't maybe part of his life plan to include a 40 day period of of fasting and temptation by the devil, but it was part of God's plan for him to prepare him for this ministry. You're going to go through this difficult time. And then, verse 2 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, just because I just find it kind of funny. after 40 days, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Can, can you imagine? Can, it's, it's just, uh, that 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 makes me laugh. It's funny. I, I don't know why. Um, I, he was actually hungry after fasting 40 days and 40 nights. It's crazy. When I went to, to seminary, I went to Trinity in Chicago for school, and uh, I was 27 when I showed up there. Um, I showed up there thinking, "Hey, I'm going to meet some people and make some friends and find some godly people around me." And I met a guy named Craig. Craig was uh, a really super cool guy. He was he was really thin and frail, like really thin and frail. If I walked up to him and just kind of shouldered him, joking around, it probably would have knocked him down. But I could sense something in Craig. There was a depth to him there was a relationship with God that he had that I thought, I wanna be around this guy. So we started hanging out, we would meet once a week, we, we became prayer partners throughout our three years there, and we'd pray together. Uh, and I really benefited from my relationship with him, but I noticed him changing over time. Throughout the three years, he was getting muscular. Like I knew he, had, he was single, I knew he had a membership at a gym, but he was getting huge, and by the third year, we were both working the same job as security guards together, and his nickname was Pipes. <laughs> I kid you not. He was absolutely huge, just, just huge. And I was like, what is going on? I, I saw this change, and, and, I, and he would be embarrassed if I asked him about it. So I asked him privately, you've got to tell me how you changed from so thin and frail to dude. You? And he says, well, this is how I looked before. But in God calling me to ministry, I wanted to take it seriously, so I did a 40-day fast right before I came to seminary. 40 days. This guy was almost dead. And, that, and, and then he, he developed his, his body back. And it made me realize, when I think about Jesus, how do we picture him in our minds? I tend to think, well, Jesus was a carpenter's son. He grew up doing that work. He was probably pretty strong. And I think that's true. But right here, 40 days of fasting, a healthy person can survive it barely. Much more than he would have been dead. And that's the state we find Jesus in. He's, He's starving to death and Satan comes in, to take advantage of that time. So in this passage, in your mind, do you see this as Satan is tempting him or God is testing him? The word that's used in the original language can be translated either way. So I actually think both were true. This was a time the Holy Spirit drove him to this. He's testing him to strengthen him, and yet Satan is there, glad for the opportunity to tempt him, to pull him off mission, to derail what Christ has come to do. Can you think of another time when Satan showed up to tempt someone? Can you think of the first time Satan showed up to tempt someone. Do you remember when that was? The Garden of Eden, yep. Genesis chapter 3, he shows up to tempt. Uh, Adam and Eve are both there, but he's just standing there munching on some, some peanuts the whole time and doesn't say anything, and he has a conversation with Eve in which he's trying to get her to question what God said. Do you remember he says, did God really say... He keeps trying to get her to question it. He's using the same tactics with Jesus. Not necessarily did God really say, but did God really mean? If you really are the son of God, like God just said, then let's try this. Let's test that. Trying to shake Jesus' confidence in what the father has just said about him. And yet, Eve was... Uh, Shaken, she she didn't respond well to that. She questioned God, but Jesus, in this time, he stood firm. And he answered with a, a clear knowledge of Scripture. The first Adam failed the test and all of humanity was lost. The second Adam stood strong and all of humanity can be saved through Christ. I'm so thankful for him this time of testing galvanized his dependence on the holy spirit and on the word of god so what were the tests if you look at the tests on a surface level they actually seem kind of strange if you think about it the first one was hey we're tempt you to turn some stones into bread the second one was i'm going to tempt you to jump off of a high off a cliff I don't know when the last time you were really deeply tempted to jump off a cliff. Um, and then the third one is, I uh, tempt you to just bow down and worship Satan. I, that doesn't sound very tempting to me. The, at the surface level, I'm thinking, this is, this is kind of crazy. Why would these be temptations? But when we dig into it and we look a little bit of what really was potentially tempting to Christ in this, What really might he have wanted to do and Satan been tempting him to do? Let's look for that as we look at these three things. The first one is found in verses 3 and 4. It says, The tempter said to him, came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone but on every word that comes out of the, from the mouth of God. Would it, on a surface level, be sin for Jesus to turn some stones into bread? I, I don't see why it would. I mean, there were other occasions in which Jesus turned a few little loaves of bread into thousands of loaves of bread. Wasn't there an occasion where Jesus said that, the, that stones could rise up and give praise to God? I think Jesus has the right to do things with stones and make bread, as he, as he does later on a couple of occasions. But as we look at this temptation, what what he was really, I think, tempting Jesus to do was to use this power, use his divine power, to serve himself. You have been given the Holy Spirit. You've been given power. Just use some of it for yourself. Just a, little, just a couple stones to bread, Jesus. And yet, as Jesus himself says later in Matthew, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus knew his mission. He knew his purpose in this world. It was a purpose to walk a path of serving and suffering for us. Philippians chapter 2 describes that Jesus came in, he didn't consider his equality with God something to hold on to, but he became a man like us. He became a servant. He became obedient even obedient to a criminal's death. He walked this path of suffering that the father would later exalt him, but he didn't come to exalt himself. He came to serve others, and I think Satan's tempting him to use this power that he has in this moment of physical weakness to serve himself. And Jesus keeps his his ultimate purpose in focus and continue to keep focus on serving others. In fact, this is important for us. We can follow the example of Christ in this. I mean, every day we're tempted to serve ourselves and put ourselves first. And yet Philippians chapter 2 calls us to follow the example of, of Jesus in what he did. And Jesus himself, later in Matthew, will say, if, if any would come after me, he must deny himself, and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. Jesus modeled it for us. What it means to use God's purpose in our life for others, the second test, and you'll see some similarities throughout these three tests. The second test is found in in Matthew four, verses five through seven. It says then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, yeah, it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, I wouldn't be real tempted to jump off of a building when I was little, I was not afraid of heights at all. I would be the kid that would climb to the top of a tree and it 's swaying back and forth. But even in my twenties, I remember doing some roofing with a friend thinking you 're nuts i I hate being up here. I hate every second of this i don 't want to be so, you know i 'm afraid of falling from a height it 's a scary thing and yet when Satan is what satan 's tempting him to do is to test and prove God's love for him. He's quoting from Psalm 91. And the words he says are a quote from Psalm 91. They're not complete. It's missing a line in the middle. It's kind of out of context. But Jesus would know that psalm, that God's hand is on him and that he would command his angels to guard over him and protect him. And Satan is is referring back to that last thing that was said. This is my son who I love. With him I'm well pleased. What he's doing with Jesus is saying, if that's true, prove it. Make God treat you that way. He's tempting Jesus to put a demand on the Father. See, if you just jump off this High point. You'll experience God's love for you, but you're coercing God to express it. You're putting a demand on God in the way you're doing it. Putting demands on God is, is, is something that people have a tendency to do. Uh, Israel was a very demanding group. As we see them wandering in the desert for 40 years, they constantly made demands on God. I am thinking of that scene where Moses is, is hitting a rock to get water out of it because the people were demanding water. And it's, it says in Exodus 7, Moses called that place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? Israel was demanding God, if you love us, Like you say you do, give us water now. Prove it. I don't know about you, but I have found that that kind of attitude can creep up in my heart pretty easily. God, if you really, if this is true, I'll be reading something in the Word. If this is true, why aren't you doing it in a way that I can see? If this is true... Why don't you take away this illness? If this is true, why don't you change that person? If this is true, and I question God, and I, and, I, and I expect him or demand of him to live it out in the way I want to see it happen. If you've raised kids, you're used to this. You know, we do our best to serve our kids and give them good things, and yet they can be a little demanding sometimes, especially when they're young. And and then we can be just like them in our relationship with our Father in heaven. Testing and demanding. And Jesus' response was, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When I'm demanding something of God, it's actually... It's actually showing that I have some idolatry in my heart. I'm worshiping something else. Something else has become so important to me that I'm actually expecting God to give me what I want. I'm expecting God to come in and serve this thing that has become an idol in my heart. Making demands is evidence of heart idolatry we often do it more frequently than we think. When I'm demanding God meet my desire or show me what I want, then I'm, I'm not seeing his purpose in my life. I'm not seeing his calling. And I miss it. I'm, and I misunderstand that sometimes there's purpose in the thing that I'm suffering in right now. Moses had to explain it to the children of Israel who were grumbling. In Deuteronomy 8, he says, God humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, which is what Jesus had just quoted. God has purpose. In us, in our lives, when we suffer, He has a reason for us going through hard times. And we want to clear our vision to see what God's purpose is and by being faithful and not putting Him to the test. God will use these moments to grow us, and He'll actually do it intentionally. The Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. When we see this often, over and over, the, the, God drove Israel into the wilderness for 40 years. They had things to learn about him. Jesus made his disciples climb into a boat and paddle out into the middle of a storm. They didn't have a choice. God gave Paul a thorn in his flesh to torment him. And refused to take it away because he had purpose in his suffering. Jesus never forgot the purpose in his suffering. And it it made him able to not make demands on God so he didn't put God to the test. Satan was tempting him to take a shortcut then and also in the in the third the third test the third test in particular if we read we can read about this one in verses 8 through 10 it says again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor all this i will give you he said if you will bow down and worship me jesus said to him Away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. It was the most direct and in a way obnoxious temptation of all three. Worship me and I'll give you glory on earth. You won't have to go through a path of suffering. You can have it now. I mean, I'm sure the temptation was there for Jesus to have rule and reign over all the kingdoms of the earth. That's going to happen. It was a shortcut that was being offered. The temptation was to avoid the suffering. And I think that would have been a serious temptation to Jesus. Do you think Jesus was looking forward to the suffering of the cross? We know that he wasn't. Just before going to the cross, we find him in a garden begging the Father over and over again, let this cup pass from me if there's any other way. He's actually asking God for his blessing to take a shortcut to accomplish the gospel purpose he was on without having to endure the suffering and shame of the cross. Satan was offering him that shortcut right up front. And I'm really thankful that God gave him the strength to say no here and again three years later at the end of his ministry or we wouldn't be saved. He recognized that taking a shortcut around the suffering that God had called him to experience would actually be an act of worshiping Satan. I mean, it's kind of a blessing to see the devil right there and go, yeah, I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think so. But he recognized that at multiple points. I don't know if you remember the conversations Jesus had with Peter. It's Matthew chapter 16. He says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus is explaining the path of suffering, and Peter's like, nope, I'm not going to let it happen, never. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you're a stumbling block to me, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Where did Jesus learn that that was the voice of Satan? (laughs) Right here in this temptation. Going through the temptation became a blessing because it exposed the reality of what was behind that temptation that Jesus had. It exposed that this is a demonic way of derailing the gospel itself. And he wasn't going to do it. I am thankful for each of these three and that we have this record that we can see where Christ kept focus on the things of God because any one of these three could have derailed our opportunity to be saved. Jesus was faithful. as I think about these these the the lessons we can learn from how Jesus was tested by God or tempted by the devil, um, a couple of the things I thought of one um, is that we can worship Jesus more fully and and deeply in our hearts because He wasn't just God who showed up and can't relate. He he showed up and proved himself. He proved himself faithful during incredible difficulties. We can also imitate Jesus who endured all these temptations and we're called to endure temptation, endure trials, to stand with Christ. We can do it. James calls us to resist the devil and he will flee from you. We can do it. Jesus did it. He set an example for us. We also see this example he set for us in the power of the word of God. In knowing the word of God, he, he used scripture to refute Satan each time. Having his feet anchored in the word of God gave him incredible strength when he went through the difficulties. I think of, of Psalm 119 verse 11 which says, Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. I, I hope that you take time to memorize scripture from time to time. That you have built up a memory bank of the word of God so that in, in a moment when the Bible's not open, it's, it's open in your heart, it's open in your mind, and you have truth. And strength to draw from. I'm also reminded that just like Jesus, you and I are called to live our lives for the gospel. Give ourselves away for it. I once heard somebody say that, um, the, that your life will be revealed by how you act when you don't get what you want. Our character is revealed by how we act when we don't get what we want. Isn't that true? If I'm not getting what I want, am I throwing a fit, demanding my way, or am I seeking God's will and doubling down on understanding and pursuing the will of God in my life? And finally... I'm reminded that this is a, an opportunity for us to pray. When we go through something hard, whether it's a physical suffering, an emotional trial, or a temptation to sin, Jesus understands. In Hebrews chapter 2, it says, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. We're not alone. We can turn to Christ We can find strength and real help from someone who understands. Besides the added bonus that he's given us, one another. Who are also a bunch of individuals who are reaching out to Jesus for help. And we do this together so that when you're going through something hard, pray and call somebody and say, would you pray for me? That's a meaningful thing. Appeal to to Christ together who understands our suffering. I'm thankful for Jesus. It, it, it makes me appreciate the path that he walked when I see the opportunities to take shortcuts. But his focus was on the, on the gospel mission. His focus was on you. His focus was on staying faithful to what he came to do so that you and I could be saved. That's, that's amazing. I'm going to pray this morning, give God thanks, and ask us to uh, ask God to help us. Father, thank you for this passage that we have to learn from, but just to see how awesome Jesus Christ is. Going through that uh, time of, of fasting, laying everything aside to secure that your will, your purpose in his life, Held the center stage in his heart. And it did. Lord, we are not like Jesus in many ways, Lord. I get distracted. Uh, I get discouraged. Like we get pulled off focus so easily. Help us, Lord, to be more like your Son. May his power flow in us. May we be anchored in the Word of God and walking every day in the power of your Holy Spirit to stay true to the mission you've called us to of advancing the gospel here on this earth. In Jesus' awesome name we pray. Amen.